thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Well, hey church, I am really excited to be exploring a brand new series with us over the next six weeks where we're going to dig into a little bit deeper theology to make sure that what we are thinking in the background is totally lined up with scripture and totally and utterly impacting and changing the way we live our lives. Now, if I was to ask you what you think is the main message of the Christian faith, I wonder what you would say. And really importantly, I wonder how closely it would line up with Jesus' main message. Because, (laughs) let's face it, surely Jesus' main message and the message of the Christian faith should be one and the same thing. Well, it's going to be great looking at this over the next six weeks and uh, you might be going, really? Is that it? Is it, it? is it that basic? Well, I'm telling you, I don't believe this is basic. In fact, I, I want to say that as someone who has journeyed with Jesus for nearly 30 years now, someone who has been, I, I, I am and have been and still am an avid learner. Um, I, I'm not naturally wired for kind of like really deep intellectual study, but I love to read and I love to learn and that is what has equipped me for the role that I am doing today. And uh, listen, I want to say that if you are a believer in Jesus and you think you have got it all nailed and all understood that you have arrived, then you need to think again because you won't have. Because actually the more we seek to learn, the more there is. Ask any believer with, uh, with an open mind and, and they will tell you they didn't understand everything straight away. And actually, probably the longer we go on, the more we kind of say, I really don't know if I understand everything, but I am loving the journey of discovering more. It's a little bit like, and this is the, the kind of the, the, the picture I got. It's a little bit like these pictures of tattoos that are coming up on the screen. So this is one big, amazing tattoo that is done in stages. And so we can see the different stages as they kind of appear slowly on the screen. You can see how it kind of starts off with a bit of a kind of vaguer outline and then effectively gets added to over time and time again. And these these didn't take place all in one sitting. These took place over a lot of different sittings. Uh, There had to be like big space in between so that the skin could heal, so that the picture could take form before in effect the next layer went on top. And uh, (laughs) it's an amazing tattoo, isn't it? Um, Somebody from our church, somebody who clearly isn't taking Leviticus 19.28 very much to heart. Just says you're not supposed to have tattoos in case you are wondering. And... um, I really believe that the Christian faith is like this. I really believe that often we kind of begin with, in effect, a little bit of a more kind of basic outline, a basic understanding. And then over time, when we can take it, we get a little bit more added in, more depth added in, a greater richness 
added in. Kind of there being more to the whole picture than what we perhaps thought when we first began our walk of faith. There are maybe some bits that over time were a bit like, you know what, that bit that I had at the beginning, I might just kind of tattoo over that because I held on to that belief, but now I actually believe the Bible teaches me something different. Now, that's an interesting journey. It is a challenging journey, and that is why we exist as church, to help one another on that journey. We don't want to go tattooing over something that is absolutely fundamental truth to what it means to know Jesus and love Jesus. There might be some stuff that we held to that we think, you know what, I can probably let go of that. Let's tattoo over that, maybe with a bit of extra grace um, or a little bit of a different understanding of maybe how that scripture could be interpreted. This for me is a great picture of how we are all on a journey of lifelong learning and how God allows us to heal, to grow, to mature before releasing, in effect, the next instalment. I hope that as we go through this series, this will be adding greater richness, greater depth, maybe a bit more complexity, but that's what we're here for, to help you understand, to take it. That's what home church is for, to chew it over and see, okay, how do we take this and bring it into real life? So let's go back to the very first question. What is the main message of the Christian faith? Or what is the main, or was and is the main message of Jesus? And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I said to a number of you, what is the main message? You say, well, it's the gospel. Uh, to which I would probably then say, okay, and what is the gospel? In fact, a question that I WhatsApped out to our church this week and said, off the top of your head, what would you say the gospel is? And, uh, you know, most people, or well, not most people, a lot of people message back with simply the good news or the good news of Jesus. And uh, as we unpack it, you'll see <laughs> it's a pretty good answer. Um, other people wanted to add a little bit more flavour to it, a little bit more nuance. And I've just got a few here that I'm going to read out to you. Um, so uh, Nancy uh, sent in, the gospel is the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Michael messaged in saying, the gospel is that as humans, we make mistakes. We cause hurt to one another. We make choices which pull us away from having a relationship with God. But that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for those mistakes, repair our relationship with God and show us how we can live a better life. Pretty good. We've got some clever people in our church, you know. Um, other people kept it just a little simpler, simple, complex, all good. Daniela, it's the promise of God to us that we are loved, not because of our deeds, but by his grace. Fantastic. And Daniela, I really hope you're feeling a little bit better. Uh, Ruhama messaged in with, I, the gospel is that I was a sinner and needed forgiveness. And God in his mercy sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins so I could be forgiven. And uh, uh, this is from Ed. Ed said, the gospel is that all of humanity is made in his image and for a purpose. And that in Christ Jesus, there's forgiveness for every time we don't live up to that standard or purpose. As such, we can be secure in this identity. That's pretty good, Ed. And, uh, and this from Rob Garrett. The gospel is the good news of freedom. Freedom from sin and all its consequences. Freedom into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. 
So the word gospel is a really interesting word. And uh, I looked this up recently uh, just to study it, saying, what? This is a strange word. It's a very Christian word. The only time it ever gets used outside of kind of Christianity is that, you know, it's the whole truth. It's the gospel truth. And um, it's an old Anglo-Saxon word. And the word is uh, derived from effectively the putting together of two words, God and spell. Okay, so put God and spell together, which basically meant good story. So the gospel is good story. Now we've taken that word and it's now gone on and on and on and been used for hundreds of years, such that it now means something quite different. If we said, oh, what's the gospel? Oh, it just means a good story, doesn't it? <laughs> and let's be grateful that we've moved on from good story. It'd be a bit rubbish, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, my life has been totally and utterly transformed by a good story. Um, kind of like, I accepted the good story and it has changed my life forever. It, it doesn't quite grab it, does it, in today's English. But good story isn't actually too far from the meaning. Um, the original meaning, so obviously we have to go back to the Greek, um, which is what the New Testament uh, was written in, and that is where we tend to come across. If you ever come across the word gospel in your, uh, in your Bibles, it is uh, a Greek word, euangelion, which uh, is the word, as you'll see on the screen, it's kind of where we get evangelism from, because you can see how evangelism comes out of that. And euangelion simply means the word, you is, means good, and angelion, where we get angels from, you can spot that, means message or announcement. It's a good announcement. So the euangelion is a good announcement, often translated the good news. Okay, so all you people that WhatsApped in, what is the gospel, is the good news? Well, yes, <laughs> that's absolutely right. Well done. Um, that is what gospel means. And, uh, but we've kind of, we kind of use the two interchangeably to the point where, um, in fact, it was on Lectio 365. Someone recently said, and we believe the good news of the gospel. And I'm like, well, all you said there is, sorry if the camera just shook, dog just got off the chair. We believe the good news of the good news is effectively what we're saying there. So gospel simply means good news. In fact, I would argue that wherever you come across the word gospel in your Bible, it would be much better to go back to the simpler translation of euangelion to good news than translate it into an old Anglo-Saxon word that has now got a strong religious connotation because the original Evangelion had no religious connotation whatsoever. It was actually more of a political word. Now, if you'd asked me a few years ago, maybe like five or 10 years ago, kind of like, Matt, what is the good news? What is the gospel? I probably would have said something quite similar to what a number of people um, kind of said. I would have said, well, the good news is that kind of, I am far from God, I've sinned, I've fallen short of, God's standard or whatever, that sort of language. And kind of God so loved me that he sent Jesus in my place that I can kind of say sorry, repent of my sins, seek his forgiveness. He will forgive me and then I can be given the gift of eternal life and then live this life for his glory. That's probably what I would have said. But if you think about it, for that to be the good news, it's a very individualistic, very me-centred version of the good news. Now, everything I've just said, I would totally endorse today. Uh, I still believe all of that stuff, absolutely. But for that to be the good news in its entirety, 
I think, is not a brilliant reading of Jesus and what he taught and the way he sent his disciples out and the way he used the term euangelion or the term good news. I believe that what I just expressed is a part of the tattoo. In fact, it was very much an early part of the tattoo that was put, I haven't got any on my back, um, that's why I wear fancy shirts. Um, I believe it's, it is a part, a, a vital part, a really, really important part, that the tattoo doesn't work without that part. But there is more. There is a bigger picture than that personal reconciliation between me and God fits within. And it's that bigger news that we're going to spend some time looking at. So as I just mentioned earlier, euangelion was not a religious word. And uh, so we come across it, or at least its Hebrew equivalent, uh, in uh, Isaiah 52, which says this in verse 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And it uh, keeps going on, who proclaim peace, bring good tidings, proclaim salvation. And that gives you a bit of a sense around actually what the good news is about. This isn't just any old good news. This isn't the good news that Auntie Susie has just had a baby boy who weighed six pounds, seven ounces. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, or it isn't about that John has passed all of his GCSEs with six, sevens, three, fives, two, sixes, and we, all of us of certain age go, I don't understand a word of that, or whatever it might be. It's not that sort of good news. This was good news that there was a new king or a new ruler. That is what the Evangelion was. Good news that there is a new ruler coming. That there is a new kingdom coming. There is a new person in power. Hence, you know, they proclaim peace, they bring good tidings, they bring salvation. And it's this key part of good news. It's this thing that actually was one of the biggest and most important things that Jesus ever spoke about. This is what you would call a theological paradigm or theological concept. And Jesus went on about it all the time. It was the good news of the kingdom. And actually, when we read in the, the Old Covenant, when we read in the Old Testament, it was never God's plan for there to be a king. It was always God's plan that he would rule. And the kings, David, Solomon, plenty of others, they're the two most famous ones, aren't they? They were never God's plan. They were God's accommodation for man's fallenness and man's sinfulness and man saying, we don't really want you fully ruling over us because we'd rather have a person to look towards. And so we see it, we see the kingdom referred to a bit in the Old Testament, but we see it referred to loads in the New Testament. I'm just going to do a very quick geek diversion here. Not Greek, geek, although actually a Greek, geek, Greek, geek diversion um, for the meek. <laughs> and uh, so we see two different terms used, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, both used by Jesus and uh, primarily kingdom of God as we get into the rest of the epistles. Uh, this little graph that comes up on the screen is something I found when uh, studying for this. And basically this shows you that kingdom of heaven was mostly, well, well always 
the, the term used by Matthew. He used it 32 times. He used kingdom of God five times. You can see this on the graph. Mark, Luke and John never used kingdom of heaven once. Mark used kingdom of God a bit, only five times. Luke used kingdom of God loads 32 times and John only mentioned it twice. Isn't it amazing the variety that we have in the gospel writers? I think it's so brilliant. And uh, so you can probably guess that Jesus himself probably used the term interchangeably. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. There is no sense amongst scholars whatsoever that the two mean anything different from each other. The two are one and the same. And we see it appears everywhere. Jesus uses this term an awful lot. He uses it in Matthew 3 verse 2 when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He uses it again in Matthew 4, 17. He says exactly the same thing. Repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. He uses it in Mark 1, 15. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the euangelion. Repent and believe the good news. Now, some of your Bibles will say repent and believe the gospel which actually probably makes you think differently about what it means, which is why I argue repent and believe the good news is not laden with our kind of current cultural references. We see in Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And I think this is really interesting. Jesus is not saying proclaiming believe in God, although I'm sure he did say believe in God. He's not saying believe in me, although there were times when he said believe in me. He didn't go out and saying you've all sinned and you need your sins forgiven, although he did forgive sins. The gospel writers wrap the whole thing up with he went proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He then, Matthew almost repeats that word for word in chapter 9 verse 35. In Luke 9 verse 11 it says, the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. This was his subject. This is what he spoke about. This was his main thing and his main message and as he often did, he healed those who needed healing. And, and even when he sent his disciples out. So if you think about, you know, you're organising a missions trip, you've all got your parental consent forms signed and all of that, and uh, you, get, you gather youth together, you have a bit of a worship session to fire them up and everything. It's just like, right guys, we're going to go out on the streets and we're going to... What are we going to do? We're going to go and tell people to believe in God. Well, yeah, we might go and do that. We're going to go and tell people that they need to turn from their old life and accept God's new life. We're going to tell people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, we're going to do all of that stuff. Jesus sends his guys out. Probably didn't have parental consent forms back then, to be fair. And he says these words. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I think we might get a few funny looks if we went onto the streets of Bradford. Might start some good conversations. We just need to know what we're talking about. 
says it again in Luke 9 2. He says he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This was his consistent big picture message. It was bigger than turn away from your old life, though it included it. It was bigger than the forgiveness of sins, though boy, it included it. It was bigger than caring for the poor, but it included it. It was even bigger than the gift of eternal life, but thank God it included it. This was the declaration that there was a new king, King Jesus had come to establish his kingdom and basically told his disciples to get out there and let people know the good news of the kingdom. And it's a little bit like, I guess, if you could imagine having a really terrible boss at work, somebody who made your life absolute misery, which I know a number of you will actually be able to relate to. And, um, and then you discover that one day that, that he or she is no longer going to be the boss and then you discover that the person who is taking over is someone who you know to be awesome, someone who is so kind, so generous, so encouraging, so for you, someone who you're just like, ah, oh, this is what the announcement of Jesus' kingdom was for the people of Israel. And it's what his announcement of the kingdom is to you and me as well. It's that, yeah, you've, you've tried having your earthly rulers, you've tried having your, your, your ways of the world, the kings of the world, which for us are kind of fairly unseen, aren't they? But back then they would have been a little bit more obvious, the rulers over them, the Caesars and all people like that. But this king is different. This king doesn't come with conquering armies. This king doesn't come with might and with power even though some people would do that in his name and it just, oh, just, dis yes, anyway, things people have done in the name of Jesus, it just, anyway, that wasn't the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus was not to kill your enemies, but to love your enemies. The way of Jesus was not to judge those that were far from God, but to, to love them and to welcome them, to show them grace and mercy rather than, rather than judgment and vengeance and all of that stuff. This was how this king was going to bring his kingdom to bear. He was here to introduce a brand new covenant, to take hundreds of rules and regulations and to simplify the whole thing down, to love, love, love. It wasn't the Beatles that came up with that. Love God, love your neighbour and love one another. These are the big ones. Greatest to love God and to love your neighbour and a new commandment I give you says love one another. So I don't know what your initial understanding was when you came to faith in Jesus. I don't know what that initial outline was thinking about the tattoo on your back. <laughs> you haven't got a tattoo on your back, it's okay. But what I do know is that this concept of the kingdom of God that is bigger than me and my salvation, that is bigger than, than just kind of people just believing in Jesus, however important that is, it's like, no, we are to be bringers of his kingdom here on earth. We have to seek his kingdom 
and he will build his church. This is the kingdom of God, a new king ruling and reigning over your life, over my life and over this earth. And wherever, wherever we turn, we see his kingdom breaking in. Is it here? Is it here yet? Well, you might just need to tune in next week to learn a little bit more about whether it's here, whether it's near, whether it's far, whether we can tell. This isn't simple, guys, but it's beautiful. It's rich, it's deep, and I'm excited about unpacking it with you. I hope and trust you are as well as we continue to worship our amazing King. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day. Thank you.